This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers the teaching entitled Doug Jones. This is the third of the series, Do Something. Please enjoy. Welcome to 12 Stone and Week 3 of Do Something. This series, man, it is messing with us. Let's be honest. It's messing with us in a good way because it's causing us to move from, from passenger, so to speak, to a driver's seat, meaning move from, from, from spectators to participants. This whole thing about loving like Jesus loves, I mean, this is supposed to be part of our awakening, who we become, and this isn't something we talk about, this is something we do, something we what? Do. So how did Jesus love? I'm glad you asked. I jotted some things down. I mean, when you read through the stories of Jesus, you, you discover these things about his love. I didn't put it in your notes, but you can jot it down if you want, I don't care. Here's one of them, his love extended to enemies. Man, I mean, no one loves like Jesus loves. All the way to his enemies? You keep reading stories about Jesus? Here's what you'll see. His love could embrace a person as valuable while knowing their behavior was sinful. Hmm. I mean, the woman caught in adultery, Jesus, no condemnation in the way he loves. You get in places like Luke chapter 10 and, and we learn about love. The question came up, what's the greatest command? I mean, that's a pretty big question. The greatest command. What's the greatest wisdom? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then, then what? Love your neighbor as who? Yourself. You got to love your neighbor. And, what, and, and somebody asked, well, now, who is my neighbor? Because, hey, listen, because if I can make my neighbor list small enough, I think I can get, it, get by. I mean, I think, I think if I can just pick the people I want to love, that's the only ones I have to call my neighbor. So who's my neighbor anyway? Jesus gives the answer in Luke 10. Tells a little story. Here's the short version of the story. A guy is beat up by some robbers, taken advantage of, left on the side of the road to die. Means beat up on the road of life. And, and having been left there, a Jewish Levite comes along and passes by on their side, doesn't help. And a priest passes by on their side, doesn't help. And, and then a Samaritan comes along. Now, a Samaritan isn't going to help a Jew. A Jew isn't going to help a Samaritan because they had great prejudice between them back in the day. So when Jesus tells the story, everybody knows, well, the Samaritan isn't going to do anything. But he says, and the Samaritan stops and he sees the person in need and he has compassion on them. Cares for his wounds, takes him to an inn, pays for it, and helps the guy recover. And then Jesus says, now, who was neighborly? <laughs> you know, the guy in the crowd says, obviously, Obviously, the guy who had compassion. Yes, it was the Samaritan. And then Jesus wraps and says, go and do likewise. So here's, here's just another characteristic of the love of Jesus. You ready? His love crossed lines of prejudice to bless someone else. Whew. The love of God. It's like nothing else on earth. And he said, go and do. Go and what? Do. Go, meaning you've been sent, and do this. They, they, we're not going to talk about this. We're going to have to actually do something. That's why on October 7th, 
We're, we're, we're not having services. I hope you know that by now. I hope, if you haven't been listening, if you're not aware, I know people say, now we're really not having, like we're not gathering in the walls. No, because we're not gonna just stop church. We're gonna go be the church. We're gonna send all the 12 stone out to the community. I know some of you are like, that's just weird. No, that's just smart. I know it's weird for the day. I, I, I get it. But, but, but we're supposed to actually go do that. We're not gonna keep talking about this and not actually do it. We're gonna, supposed to go out and be good Samaritans all day. That's just going to be a good day. We can't keep talking. We didn't, listen, we didn't get it because we can say it. You only get it when you can do it. Otherwise, this doesn't mean anything. Jesus' love, greater love has known than this, that he gives his life. I mean, that's how far his love went, that he would give his life for his friends, the ones he loves. Again, another characteristic of Jesus, his love was sacrificial. Hmm. So it's no wonder that when we talk about this live sent stuff, it is messing with us. See, it's, it's, it's over here telling us that if, if we're going to join Jesus and we're going to have a live sent kind of life. Hey, what kind of life, everybody? Live sent. We're, we're called over here for a live sent life. Here, here's what that means. It means it's the end of. It demands the death of living for self. And we're over here confessing that this is what's natural to us. I mean, I naturally love myself. I, I, I just, I have a natural gift to be about me instead of you. <laughs> How many of you have that gift too? You just have that gift to be about yourself. And I love the righteous ones. Your hand doesn't go up. Good for you. But for the rest of us honest people, we're acknowledging that this is a difficult thing to die to. To get, to get over here and live sent means things like join Jesus. We've been talking about it. Put it in your notes so, so you get this. Let this, just, this has to keep growing in us, this definition, this working definition. I'll put it on the screen. It, it means to join Jesus. Because listen, Jesus isn't going to join you. Jesus isn't going to come over here and help you live more for self. You join Jesus to live sent. And it means love people like Jesus. And by the way, that's where we're going today. We're going to talk more about that. And to tell people about Jesus. And we didn't come up with the idea of live sent. That was all Jesus. Look at John chapter 17. It was his prayer and his call on our life. Heavenly Father, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them, my followers, into the world. You and I are being sent for the sake of the kingdom of God, which is at work in us, to now be the work of God through us. So we're going to tap into the life of the Apostle Paul as we have been, and then we're going to put a modern day story alongside, and today the story is going to be a Hollywood actor. Now, let me give you a little background on this Hollywood actor that we spent some time with. This is some of his early work, and it may be familiar as soon as you see this commercial. Check it out. When the clock strikes half past six, babe, time to head for golden light. It's a good time for a great taste dinner at McDonald's. It's Mac tonight. Come on, make it Mac tonight. Come on, any of you remember that from either your childhood or back in the middle to late 80s? There's like 27 of those commercials. He dressed up. Who's he? Doug Jones. Doug Jones wore the costume, and, and it literally, he says, it transformed and redirected his career. In fact, 
CNN did a story in 2018 on him, and this is kind of the short of it. The most famous Hollywood actor you've never seen. Check it out. For 31 years, I have been acting in major motion pictures and TV series, but you may not recognize my face. I'm Doug Jones. I am an actor. So for our time today, Doug invited us to an interview with him. And, and he, we, we met him where he was doing some work for Star Trek out at uh, Toronto, Canada. So we flew up there, flew our crew up there, sat down with him and had a conversation because he's in the midst of, of learning how to live sent in Hollywood. <laughs> now, it's an interesting conversation because here's what he even says of himself. I'll, I'll give the little quote, ready? Get the details. I'm six foot three and a half and weigh 140 pounds. <laughs> and I was gawky and awkward as a child, and I've always looked like this. <laughs> and his gifted quirkiness comes through the interviewing conversation in an entertaining way, and yet the quality of his heart and his learning to live sent will be endearing, captivating, and instructive to all of us. So, Let's get acquainted with Doug Jones. When I was a child, my escape was television. My father was a big, uh, a big movie fan, and so we would go to, go to the movie theaters uh, on weekends, and I would watch TV during the week. Um, so I, I went into screens to find, to find escape and, and, and my happy place. The Dick Van Dyke Show, Mary Tyler Moore, I Love Lucy, The Carol Burnett Show, Gilligan's Island, Gomer Pyle, goofy people on TV were like, I just like, I would absorb them. And again, I go back and watch those old shows now and I see certain timing and like certain expressions and facial things and gestures. It's like, oh my gosh, that is so me. So I thought, you know, if, if I'm making friends with all these people in my, in my fantasy life, you know, uh, maybe that's where I need to be one day is on the, on the screen with them. At Ball State University, I joined a mime troupe called Mime Over Matter. Uh, and uh, I, I went and saw one of their shows, fell in love with the art form, um, and uh, was mesmerized by all this storytelling that was going on visually without verbal dialogue. And, and then that, that art form helped me realize how much dialogue is nonverbal, how much we say with our posture, our body language, our gestures, our facial expressions, our, you know, just our body language in general. So the mime thing, I had no idea uh, that that would be such um, early training ground for the career I was about to have. Billy Butcherson from Hocus Pocus. Uh, the Fawn from Pan's Labyrinth is another favorite of mine. Love the Silver Surfer. Uh, more recently, I just, I adore, adore, adore the uh, amphibian man from The Shape of Water. I'd never been a romantic leading man before as a monster. You know, that was, a, that was a, new, a new request. Sometimes it's just a head and hands makeup and that's, that's the easier thing. Sometimes you're encased in rubber from head to toe and then it comes with some special challenges. Oh, you don't think about this in acting school. You just don't think, right? They don't tell you about it. Um, so that, that is the unglamorous part of it. And while other actors are you know, pulling out their phone and doing this between shots and using their phone and going to the craft service table and getting some snacks and some drinks and oh yeah, yeah ha, ha. and then I'm just sitting there like this going, can I get a straw with a 
you know, with a smoothie or something. I get so many young people that uh, uh, approach me on social media, especially. I really want to do what you do. Do you have any pointers and tips? I'm like, don't! Save yourself! But um, that's the downside and the plus side, of course, is that, that I could only play so many characters with this face. The, the makeup world and the creature effects people that have been, the, the best artists in the world have had their hands on my face. And uh, that is an honor for me. Um, and to have played a, a, such a wide array of characters that I could never have done with my own face also has given me a longevity in the business that I never expected. You know, I'm, I've been acting for 30, 32 years now and they tell me I'm not done yet. So, <laughs> I come from Indiana, uh, where I was taught, um, you know, I, a very strong family I come from, and, you know, and, you know taught simple things like um, be kind to other people, uh, be polite, and when you say yes to a job or to a task, you just do that job or task without complaining, if you, if you can. <laughs> I had no idea that, that, my, that this attitude, it seems very normal and average to me, but <laughs> among Hollywood people, they were like, this is, he's the nicest guy in showbiz. And I'm you know, I'm just being normal, really. Uh, it, that, and it, it's a sad state of, it's a sad statement on all actors when, when just being polite and nice in, 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 a, in a little bit of adversity makes you exceptionally kind. Everyone else is, you know. There's a lot of good people out there. I don't want to say that all actors are awful. Uh, not at all. But if I'm leaving an impression behind that, that, is, uh, that is positive, great. That, that's all I can hope for. So that's Doug. And what a curious and cool kind of career. You, you don't really think about the, the man behind the mask, but we're going to today. And this conversation is, is going to stir questions within you. And the primary question is this. Do you love people like Jesus loves people? Do you? Do you love people like Jesus loves people? And that, that starts with the Apostle Paul dialogue where we've been. We, we sat in Acts chapter 9 a couple weeks ago with Paul on, on the road to Damascus. And, and God stirred trouble in Paul and, and, and woke some things up in Paul for good. And then in Acts chapter 17, last weekend we sat in Paul's world and and really, God was causing trouble for good through Paul and the lives of the people around him. And then in Acts chapter 18, it says, and then Paul traveled to Corinth. It was, it was in Corinth that, that God began to grow a church and build something again, and, and, and Paul wrote a letter to him. And we're going to sit in Paul's letter to Corinth and draw out a couple of things, something you need to know, something you need to do. And the first thing Paul would say you need to know for today's teaching is this. Join Jesus. Join Jesus. Jot it down in your notes. Join Jesus means to follow Jesus, not your heart. It means to what? Follow. Say it with me. It means to what? Follow Jesus, not your heart. Grab your Bibles, cross the campuses, turn to 1 Corinthians Chapter 10. We're going to start with verse 31. Now it's on page 1150 in your worship center Bibles. If you picked one up on the way in at one of the campuses or right here in the room, it's straight underneath your chair. So just reach underneath your chair, pull the Bible out, turn over to page 1150. And, and here we have the, the, the insight that, that, that Paul would say, you, you got to settle some things in your life. You're, you you got to settle who you're going to follow. you got to settle, uh, why do you do what you do? And, and for whose glory? Is it for your glory? Is it for God's glory? Uh, where, where, where do you find your identity? What defines you in life? Who, who are you really going to follow? 
So, verse 31 of chapter 10, and then it bleeds right into verse 1 of chapter 11. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow me, or follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. See, here Paul is wrapping up a segment about what it means to please God and love others. And when he wraps that up, he says, now, if you want to know what it looks like, follow me. But know this, when you follow me, you're not really following me because I'm following Christ. So when you follow me, you're going to end up following Christ because I'm not the original. I'm not the source that's going to define what love really is. Look, I'm not the source of what's sin and non-sin. I'm not the source of what's truth. I'm not the source of that. I'm, I'm just a copy. Jesus is the original. So if you follow me, you're going to end up following Christ, and that's the ultimate goal. We all follow Christ. In other words, if you're going to join Jesus, it means to follow him. Follow Jesus. Become like him. And then I think for our culture, he would say, follow Jesus, not your heart. Because in our culture, it is like us in our world to say, well, just follow your heart. Isn't that familiar? You'll hear people say, oh, you just go follow your heart. Now, I, I kind of know what they mean. In, in fact, it makes a little bit of sense. I understand it. When people like the late Steve Jobs of Apple Computer fame uh, delivered this statement. Your time is limited. So don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. Now, I, I know what he's saying. So do you. He's saying, when it comes to your, your uniqueness, your distinctive, your personality, your wiring, your gifts, your talents, your experience, bring that to your work. You'll figure out your career as it knits together. In that sense, follow your heart. Don't lose your voice in the culture. Don't, don't lose who you are. Bring all of you to your business, your creative, your leadership, all that's in you. Bring it. Good, good smart advice. In fact, I, I, I agree with him. I, I pass that advice on to my kids. Jaden, number four, is, 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 is 15 and rising up in, in, in high school. And I want to help him, in that sense, know who he is and, and follow his heart and find his distinct voice. But equally, I don't tell Jaden, when it comes to discovering what is truth, follow your heart. I, I don't tell him that. We, we were in a, last Friday, we had our father-son kind of discipleship hour or so to, together. We're, we're, we're going through through the book, Experiencing God, and we just lesson at a time. We just read through it, fill in the blanks, read the scripture, talk about it. It's just a tool for training and talking. I do it with all the other kids and doing it with him through high school, and we just kind of meander through it. And, and, but, but this last conversation, it was on the power of the word of God, that, that, that Jesus is God's word to us, and the Bible is God's word to us, and, and that that awakens us to the truth. And so, so to that end, it's impossible to follow Jesus if my heart comes before God's word, before God's heart. So when they're in conflict, I yield to God's word. In other words, when your heart disagrees with God's word, God's truth, do you follow God or do you follow your heart? Let's see, that's going to be a big deal for Jaden for the whole of his life. I just want him to understand that, that the Holy Spirit uses God's word to train his heart and his mind 
to understand truth and to live like truth and to have the best life God would offer. To that end, follow Jesus, not your heart. And, and so Doug followed his heart in terms of his, his unique um, design and gifting and talent and capacity when he went out to Hollywood. But, but he, doesn't, he doesn't look to Hollywood for truth. He, 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 he doesn't get his identity there. Being an actor doesn't define him. He's defined by being a son of God, a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen in. It was a, it was a good conversation. Check this out. I came out to Hollywood thinking I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be a sitcom star, like those ones that inspired me when I was a kid. And I was surprised when the Creature Effects makeup people took over and, oh, he's tall, he's skinny, he knows mime, he knows how to use his, we can build on him and not get him too bulky. Ah! So all of a sudden I'm playing creatures, I'm covered up and unrecognizable. And uh, so there was a certain period of my career that early on where I was thinking like, oh, how come everybody else is on the cover of magazines and doing red carpet things and, and I'm like, the guy in the rubber suit that nobody even cares to know his name. Uh, that, that was a, a good chunk of my career was like that. I was working consistently for years and years, but nobody knew who I was. And I did have a couple of harumph moments. Like it was like, huh, why not me? And, uh, but at, at, a, at a, a, a phase came where it's like, wait a second, I'm enjoying the, the, the I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Actually, I, I get to go to a coffee shop and not cause a mob scene. I get to, you know, I can, I can have a, a fender bender and not have a picture taken and have it end up on the cover of something, you know. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not a horrible place to be in, you know, uh, uh, having a, keeping my, my sense of normal about me. I'm able to live a very normal, wonderful life. Um, when I was 46 years old, is when all of a sudden that page turned and, and now, okay, Doug, we're, God, it was, it was almost like, like God said, now that you don't want it, I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> so that's when Pan's Labyrinth came out in theaters and we did a whole run to the Oscars on that. And I was even interviewed by Joan Rivers on the red carpet at the Oscars. That was a, that was a fun time. <laughs> and then from there, you know, the Silver Surfer came out in theaters right after that. And then we were, Hellboy 2 came out after that. So I had boom, boom, boom with like press, press, press and this face getting associated with these characters um, to the point where it's only snowballed and gotten bigger and escalated over the years. So by the time I got into my 40s, I realized how fickle Hollywood can be and how fickle fame can be. Fame is that girlfriend who will leave you for the next cutest fella, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I, um, I walked into it in my 40s going, okay, this is fun. Uh, I will go on this ride, I will enjoy it. I will enjoy the blessings that come with it. Uh, and, but it's not what defines me. That was the big part. This is not what defines me. I learned that through all the years of what defines me is every other hat that I wear. I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a son of gods, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm an uncle, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mentor to some unfortunate people. <laughs> I'm, a, uh, I'm a lot of things that, that uh, and I now also happen to be an actor, that's, that's but just one of many hats that I wear. Whereas had that happened early for me, I would have been an actor and everything else would have been like over here somewhere. Whereas now it's like, no, all, all these things matter equally. And uh, I have the, the glitzy glam moments now, yes, and I'm thankful for them. But um, if, if and when they go away, and they always do, um, uh, it, won't, it won't be a sad day. It might actually be a, a relief. <laughs> it's like, okay, I can get back to being a normal person again.
Wow. I mean, there's insight in that. You let that sit and soak in your soul, and, and there's some things for you to think about. Where do you find your identity? Uh, where, 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 do you, where, where do you define yourself? And, and, and at the end of the day, define yourself as a son, a daughter of the living God because you follow Christ. You don't follow the culture. You, you, you don't follow the crowd. You don't follow Hollywood. You don't even follow your own heart. You follow the heart of God. And it's awakening, a transforming understanding of, of, of how this whole world works and what God wants to wake up in you. That, that's the stuff Paul was trying to say when he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Because when you do, when you follow Christ, God will do a work in you and it'll change what you do. You, you get this? God will do a work in you. It'll change who you are and therefore it'll change what you do. So, here's what you need to do. I think you might say it this way in your notes. Love people like Jesus loved or loves people. Love people like Jesus loved or loves people. Grab your Bibles, 1 Corinthians. If, if you had them right there in front of you, just go a couple of pages to the right. We're over on uh, page 1152. And Paul was reshaped by the love of God, the love of Jesus. That's what transformed him. I mean, he says, I was the worst of sinners. I'm out here, remember? I'm out here uh, persecuting Christians in Jesus. I'm dismissing God. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, that's, Jesus isn't the one. And then, and then the love of Jesus changes him from the inside out. He said, it is the love of Jesus that'll transform you. And, and then he writes about it. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongue of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, authentic love, I gain nothing. Love? Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I was walking into a restaurant for lunch this past week. It was just going to be a writing lunch on my own. When I walked in, I asked the hostess, I just go sit in the corner, and she said, hey, I know you. You're a 12 stone pastor, sweet gal. And as I was walking to the seat, and we were chatting, and she grabbed a book. She was reading, she said, hey, have you read this book? And when she did, I said, well, that's interesting. And the only book I had in my uh, leather bag, I pulled out and I said, yes, I am. <laughs> I had the same exact book. Bob Goff, Everybody Always. I told her, I said, yeah, a friend of mine, Ernie Johnson, told me to, to grab that book. He called me and said, man, you, you got to read this book. It is a live-sent book. And Ernie's right. Uh, Marsha's already read it now, and I'm halfway through. And it's not like me to read a book to instruct you, but I'm about to. A couple of thoughts. He wrote, I've spent my whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging. Hmm. God's idea isn't that we would give and receive love, but that we would actually become love. 
There's a difference between good judgment and living in judgment. The trick is to use lots of the first and go a little lighter on the second. If I'm only willing to love the people who are nice to me, the ones who see things the way I do and avoid all the rest, it's kind of like reading every other page of the Bible and thinking I know what it says. See, Jesus told his friends if they wanted to be like him, they needed to love their neighbors and they needed to love different people. This sounds so familiar that I'm tempted to just, well, to just agree with Jesus and move on. But Jesus doesn't want us merely to agree with him. In fact, I can't think of a single time he gathered his friends around him and said, guys, I just want you to agree with me. Rather, he wants us to do what he said. He wants us to do. He wants us to what, church? Do. Couldn't hear you. He wants us to what? He wants us to do it. He said, don't walk out of here and say, oh, I, that was good. Yeah, oh, I agree. I, I agree. That doesn't matter. Don't agree. Do. This has to translate into action. Do what he said. And he said he wants us to love everybody always. Now, Bob goes on to tell great stories. In fact, I'd love to get Bob here uh, some weekend. He, he tells great stories. I'll give you one of them, but I, I'll tell it short, brief. You'll have to read the book if you want his good stories and how he tells it. But he says, I, I got an invitation to go to, to, to speak at, at, at Disney World, and I'd never been there, so I said, yes, I'll do that one. And, and they had a limo car pick me up there uh, uh, for this event, and I, I wasn't even expecting that. And, and so I saw my name, and I said, yes, that's me, and, and, and jumped in the car, and it's this long limo. And he said, I'm just sitting in the back all along. I'm like, wow, what on earth? This is amazing. And he said, so I scooted up to the glass and opened it and started talking to the limo driver and learned about his story and his life and, and found out that he was, he was retiring in a month. And I, and I said to the guy, I said, hey, um, have you ever ridden in the back of one of these things? It's really quite fantastic. He said, oh, no, 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 no. I, for 25 years I've driven, I've never been in the back. He said, well, you ought to be in the back. It, it's, it's quite amazing. Why don't you pull the car over, and, and, and I'll drive, and you sit in the back. Like I said, oh, come on, man. I can't do that. I'd get fired. He said, what do you care? You're retiring in a month. So the guy pulled the car off. He took his hat and took over the role of chauffeur and put the guy in the back, and drove the rest of the way to Disney. And when he got to Disney, he came out like the chauffeur and opened the guy's door and, 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 and reminded him that he mattered, and he mattered to God. And, and when, when Bob finished the story, he, 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 he wrote it this way. Again, you would have to get into the book for the real detail of the story, but he said, you know, when the limo driver went home that night to the woman he's been living with for the past 10 years, do you think he told her that he'd met a Christian guy that day who told him he was supposed to be married? Of course not. I bet he told her he'd met a guy who told him who he was. <laughs> you know, that's our job. It's always been our job. We're supposed to just love the people in front of us. We're the ones who tell them who they are, like that they matter to God and that they matter to us. It's a profound story. It's why I appreciate Doug Jones. He's spent his life working to discover how to live scent in Hollywood. Listen to this next segment. It's insightful. When you walk into Hollywood land and you say, hello, everybody, I'm a Christian, you might get met with, oh, yeah? Uh, it's not, it may not be the most popular thing to say out loud. Um, 
and but but I uh, I guess I, I have a, a two-pronged thought about this. I don't want to be overt about it, coming in the room trying to convert everybody upon entry. I also don't want to be um, covert about it either. Like it's nothing to hide. It's nothing I'm ashamed of at all. Um, so I, I, can't, I don't want to have that, oh, no one can find out I'm a Christian. But I also, I also don't want to be like, everybody must know that I'm a Christian. I, you know, there, there's, a, there's a middle ground, I think, that we can live in. Um, as long as I'm honest about it. Just, I think just living honestly. Uh, so if, if the topic comes up, I'm happy to talk about it. Show business, I think, draws people, it, it, a lot of hurting souls are drawn to it, to the arts in general, I think. Um, and we all can work our issues out through our art. Um, some of those issues include um, authority problems from their past, bad experience with the church, um, uh, a death in the family that they blame God for and never have let him off the hook for that or whatever. We all carry baggage with us. And, um, and so sometimes when you say, uh, you know, I'm a Christian, um, bad memories or bad experiences with people, with Christians, not Christ, but Christians can uh, work their way in, into that moment, you know, when you're dealing with somebody. So, uh, so if I met with this, my response is to take this, those fists and say, oh, shh, 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 hug me, right? <laughs> I think that's the first place to start, is to be the kind, gentle person uh, and, and to just, and be a good, be a good listener. I, th I think to absorb the person you're, standing, you're sitting in front of um, and, and you might find out where those, where those issues or where this might be coming from. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I'm the one who wants to pet the face and say, oh, I hear you, wow, that must have been hard. Uh, if we, that's our starting place. And then later on as they get to know me, um, I've had a lot of people that, uh, location shoots where I'll get a tap on my, on my hotel room door and it's someone from the crew saying, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Um, and it turns out to be something, uh, a situation that I can pray with them for, uh, uh, something going on in their life. Um, that's happened more than once. Hmm. I mean, when I hear Doug talk, it sounds like 1 Corinthians 13, doesn't it? And love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. Almost as if when you join Jesus, loving other people like Jesus loved people is the door to telling people about Jesus. Does that make sense? That the way you love people is the forerunner to telling them about Jesus because you, you just lived it. They just experienced it. It's powerful. Now, this whole Live Since Sunday thing on September or, or on October the 7th, I, I know it's a little weird. It's like, we're going to go out. Yep, yep, we're all going to go out there and we're going to Live Sent that day. We're going to be good Samaritans. We're gonna, all, you're, all we're doing all day is just finding ways to love people like Jesus loved people. That's it. That's, that's the agenda of the day. I know it's just a moment, and I know things are meaningful in moments, but I know it's longer than that. This isn't just a day thing. This is supposed to be a daily thing. It's, it's, it's not a moment. It's a marathon. But I, I see that in Doug's life, and it's why I want you to hear this next segment, the final segment he gives us and, and it's it's 
It's got his same unique dialogue like he calls his wife Miss, Miss Lori. And, and so Mrs. Lori and him. And, and he talks to the next gener- about the next generation that he pours into as puppies. His puppies. And it, it's so endearing. But, but listen to the substance. It's really deep and powerful and rich. I've been married to the lovely Mrs. Lori for 34 years now. And... Um, we never were able to have kids of our own. You know, you go through the agony of, of uh, you know, what are, other, uh, what are our options? And um, as we were aging, we're thinking, oh, God, do, how, much, how much time we have left on this? <laughs> so um, when we both kind of, kind of heard, heard God's voice tell us that, mm, that you probably won't be raising children in your own home, what would our purpose be then? And, and Almost like the page was turned and, and, and we, our new chapter presented itself to us rather quickly. It's the young people who come to Los Angeles that I would meet on sets or while speaking at film schools or acting classes. I mean, I, I tend to, to be in front of young people all the time, uh, whether working with them or speaking to them or doing a public appearance or doing meet and greets or chats afterwards. And you find a lot of, uh, of kids who either come from a great family and miss them dearly while, now that they're living out in Los Angeles, or they come from a horrible family and they don't miss them at all. In either case, um, Mrs. Lori and I found that, that like opening our front door and, and, uh, and, and uh, sitting one of those, we call them our puppies, uh, sitting uh, one of these puppies on our sofa and like just talk about life and stuff and let's give you a bowl of chili and... Um, and uh, what, what's up? So um, without having kids of our own, we now have uh, <laughs> a rather large family. So at Christmas every year, our house is full of, full of people, uh, lots of laughter, lots of uh, love. And, and, and so if these young people need, need a, a parent figure and we've been the, in the right place in the right time for them, great. And, uh, and when we needed, had that, that parental, maternal and paternal like instincts to want to to have an influence on uh, to mentor and have an influence on on young people he provided a way for that too one one puppy in particular natisha we met her when she was 22 years old fresh out of college and um and she when i heard her story she uh came from a, a family that wasn't a family at all. Um, Dad uh, abandoned the family when he when she was about one year old. She didn't really even know him. She went back and found him as a teenager to try to make contact and have a father daughter relationship. And he told her then, like, ooh, ooh, ooh pff, I don't want any part of that. Yeah, you're on your own. I'm listening to this story and I'm tearing up because I'm thinking we 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 would love to have kids, weren't able to. And then he looks at this beautiful human being and says, I don't want you. Who could even? <laughs> Ah, this did not make sense to me. So um, I told her in that moment, well, listen, I'm sitting right here. I'm your dad. How about that? <laughs> so that was, that was when she was 22. She's now 38, and I am still her dad. And Mrs. Lori has become her mom. When she got married, I walked her down the aisle. We, I danced with her in the father-daughter dance. Um, we are, by all intents and purposes, her, her, uh, her uh, parents. God really does... Uh, he 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 provided he provides what we need. I've been blessed with so much, Mrs. Laurie. As a couple, we've been blessed with so so much, um, and uh, that whole idea of paying it forward or give pay back, pay it forward, whichever direction you want to go, um, we uh, uh, we we see the the value of that and the and the need for that. 
It's a way of saying thank you to God to, to pass it along, to pass your blessings along. Don't you just want to say thank you, Doug? That's just meaningful, meaningful stuff. And when you love people, it moves people. And Jesus said, I have loved you well. Love the world around me. And that's all live, send is. I mean, it's go and do likewise. And you got to figure it out for yourself. You should be thinking about it for October 7th. You should figure out what does it look like in your life. Uh, for example, Marsha, uh, my wife, uh, is working out uh, what does live, send look like for her. And one of the things uh, distinct to her uh, is she's going to be you know, running the New York City Marathon. You've heard me talk about it this November 4th. But what you don't know, and I thought I'd add to it today, is that this came out of a longer story uh, Probably four years ago, when Ed Bastian ran in the New York City Marathon, uh, he introduced us to Rally Foundation, which uh, helps kids with cancer. And it's it, just what kids go through when they get cancer and, and the impact on them. And our son had a, a friend who was walking through cancer and, thank God, survived. Uh, and that marked us, and, and we helped participate and contribute and support. And, and Ed's running in the, the New York City Marathon again this year and raising funds for, for, for Rally Kids and this foundation for kids with cancer and invited Marsha to, to do the marathon because she likes to, to run. And so she's doing this marathon, but really what she's doing underneath this is kind of her way to live, send, and raise funds for kids with cancer. And our heart's a little more drawn to it as uh, a year ago this day, connected with a family at 12 Stone, the Day family, and, and uh, their son, Owen Day, here's a, here's a picture of him, uh, had cancer and he passed away a year ago and it broke their family's heart and it broke our heart with them. And, and yes, Owen's in heaven and thanks be to the love of Jesus, but that's tough when you're on, when you're on earth. And so, um, you know, this is just kind of Marsha's part to, to, to be invested in loving like Jesus and, and helping others in some meaningful way. And I am her um, trainer and her manager, and her cheerleader, and her coach, and her fundraiser, FYI. Which means as her fundraiser, I'd love to invite you to support her in her efforts. And there's a way for you to do that. Look at the bottom of your bulletin. You can literally, it doesn't go to her, it doesn't go to me, it doesn't go to us, it doesn't go through 12 Stone, it goes direct uh, to Rally. Help us raise funds to help kids going through cancer. It's a beautiful and powerful thing. And you can give five, 10 bucks. I mean, this isn't like, you know, you gotta, you just go to that site and contribute and, and help her and help us do those kinds of things. And somebody, I was telling this to the elders and they're like, man, if you go do that on Sunday, you're gonna get a bunch of people saying, hey, I'd like to have you talk about our charity. I said, oh, I already know what I'd say to them. They said, what are you gonna say? Listen, folks, if you could endure me in marriage for 36 years, I will be your cheerleader, fundraiser, and manager for whoever it is you're going after. But since Marsha has endured that, I'm going to be hers. And you can jump in and be a part of that if you want to. It's a fun, wonderful thing, whatever God has for you. In fact, we'll give you practical things like blessing bags that we're going to talk about today when we close the service. Just ways for us, even on October 7th, to live sent. So as I turn the service over to the campus pastors, this is a challenge today. You know, follow Jesus, not your heart. And love like Jesus. Go and do likewise. So let me pray for you. Father, would you, by the kindness of your spirit, awaken us today to get beyond ourselves. I mean, God, it's so deep in us that we could quickly agree with you and say, oh, I agree, I agree, that has to, oh, yeah, I agree. And then just do nothing. And you're calling us to better. 
So from middle schoolers to high schoolers to college students to 20-somethings to singles to married to whatever stage of life we're in, oh God, I pray that you would wake us up today to who you are and let your love freely pour in us and all the more pour through us. Would you teach us how to love like you love? Would you, would you make this a season, the, kind of the best season in the life of this church where we woke up to getting outside the walls and, and loving the world around us and being the good Samaritan and being you to a broken world and, and let your love awaken people to who you are. God, this is a beautiful and powerful thing. Would you, would you call us up to it? And, and would you be powerful in and through us? And would you love people to yourself? And we'll give you the praise. And everyone agreed in Jesus' name saying, amen. Amen.